This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Colorado Hunting Hub. This podcast is designed to talk about everything hunting in Colorado. Whether you're a new hunter, old timer, or something else, Colorado Hunting Hub will have something for you. I'm your host, Clint Whitley, and let's get started. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading my podcast. We got a good episode this round and a lot of good ones in the works getting a bunch recorded this week and next so excited about that first want to do a couple of shout outs first to uh rocky mountain realtors they're sponsoring this uh podcast in a way for a month had a buddy over uh the owner had him over the other day and he uh said i'll sponsor a month well he left six beers in my fridge so that's about nine bucks that's what it costs me to run a podcast every month. So let's uh, say Rocky Mountain Realtors is my uh, sponsor for the month. But anyway, he specializes uh, in properties, northwestern Colorado. So if you're looking for a piece of hunting property, it's definitely good at that. So chat with TJ, 970-618-8781. 970-618-8781. If you're looking for a good piece of property to live on or hunt on or something like that. He sold me my house and seen him do a lot of other properties and do some good things. And he's not going to give you any BS. He'll, he'll cut straight to it and, and, uh, treat you good. So reach out to him. Big shout out also to Onyx for the giveaways they're doing. I really don't go anywhere in the woods without Onyx. So you shouldn't either. Another shout out to myself, I guess. Sounds weird. Uh, I'm now an antler buyer. So if you are hoarding a bunch of antlers, I've got some good prices, competitive pricing. And if you're, I'm sticking though on the Western Slope, 
probably within 100 miles of Silt Rifle Glenwood area. So if you got some antlers you're wanting to get rid of, no amount is too small or big. And any species with antlers, horns, whatever, mounts, skulls, deadheads, any of that, just let me know. Send me a message. Next soon to be shout out, but I guess that's a shout out if I'm shouting it out. So is Exxon Mountain Gear. They're going to give us a pack. So we're giving away a pack. We're, uh, that's going to start in June. We're going to interview them next week and I'll get that episode out and the details and the link to register for a pack. These are not cheap packs and they're awesome. I have one and I love it and it's worth every penny. So get ready to sign up for that. As always, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Colorado Hunting Hub. Don't forget to sign up again for that Onyx membership giveaway. This episode, we're chatting with my buddy Deesteg, uh named Derek, which I have a hard time calling him Derek. I don't really relate, think of him as Derek, but ever since we watched the Keel and Peel uh, episode of the substitute teacher that's worth every minute of it so go look at that but uh ever since then we've just been calling him d stag uh combination of his first and last name but he is a uh, out of he's now living in idaho came from the midwest and his perspective on coming from midwest or an out, out of state area to hunt colorado and and be and live in this area for a few years and see what his perspective is. Uh, it was pretty good. So he, I always enjoy chatting with him. He's got a way with words that that uh, not many people do. He's he's a, a great guy, a good dad, a good husband, and and a great friend. So here's D Stag, Derek. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are you, Mister Whitley? Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're. Uh, a good buddy. And when I originally started this podcast, you were on the top of my list to get on here. I, I really wanted your perspective on things. So that's why I called you. But Derek, we, uh, we met through a growth group through our church met in, uh, yeah, kind of that way. And of course, hunting in any hunter's mind doesn't take long to come up. So we started talking hunting. Right. And yeah, that was a that was a funny story because I remember I walked in. We're we're new to the group, and our our leader said, "Derek, do you like beer?" And I said, "Yes." He goes, "Do you like hunting?" And I said, "Of course." And he said, "Well, then you'll fit in great." uh yeah he did the same thing for for me so we had we uh drank beer talked about the bible talked about church (laughs) talked about hunting and uh talked about life and so that was a that's some good old days a little bit before kids i'm not going to say that now with kids isn't the good old days but uh that was still our pre-children days of of hanging out together with friends and and creating a some good lifelong membership lifelong friendships for sure so uh we haven't actually hung out or even seen each other in frick six years <laughs> something like that it's been a minute it's been sure. a, yeah it's been a while but we keep in contact because that's important to me so uh 
kind of give me a rundown of where you're from, where you are now, kind of what, and then a little bit with how Colorado fits in that. Absolutely. So, uh, Midwestern boy through and through was born in uh, Arkansas, ended up bouncing all over Indiana, Illinois, um, kind of the mid South for a little bit with my dad's work. And, um, when I got married, we, my wife was in veterinary school and when she got an opportunity to take an internship in Colorado, she sent me a text and said, what do you think about moving to Colorado? She told me the name of the town. It was Carbondale. So I Googled it and I saw like the first three pictures on Google image. And I said, let's just go do that. That's awesome. Um, I mean, the idea of I mean, being a, an outdoorsman, the, the idea of living someplace that's mountainous and uh, somewhat wild and those kind of things was, was very alluring. So she was, she was kind of shocked. She's like, you don't want to even like go check it out or anything. I was like, no, let's just, let's just load our stuff and move there. So we loaded up and we moved to Colorado. Unfortunately, we were, we were always able to find housing because that's a tough, tough thing to do in, in Colorado. And, uh, um, like we started off in our conversations, uh, made a lot of great friends, lifelong friends, I hope. And, uh, uh, some good hunting memories. I was able to hunt three seasons while we lived there. Uh, when our little girl was born, we decided that it was, we needed to be back to where our family was. So we loaded up again and moved back to Indiana. We lived there for two years and I, I just couldn't stand not being in the mountains anymore. I had fallen in love and started doing a lot of research and we landed in North Idaho. And got to experience my, my first elk season this past fall here in North Idaho, which, uh, that may be a different podcast comparing and contrasting Colorado versus, versus, uh, North Idaho. That's, it's, uh, different challenges, different hunting style. And, uh, both have been a lot of fun. So, yeah, I have. I have no even perception or no idea what the difference would even be. So yeah, that would be interesting. So I guess that kind um, of brings us back to date though, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're back. You're, you're now in Idaho, spent three seasons. Kind of what, uh, give us then kind of the rundown quick of how you got into hunting. Where did that come in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So my dad is a big hunter. This is how a lot of us get started, right? There's, there's obviously obviously some exceptions. There's people that just decide they want to do it and and uh, figure it out on their own. But a lot of us get started because it's uh, a family thing. And uh, my dad is a big hunter, more upland game and and waterfowl and that kind of thing. But uh, uh, I mean, he took me dove hunting when I was two and a half. He had, well, I might have been younger than that because I had the diaper bag. He had to take the diaper bag with me. Um, so, I, yeah, uh, I've been there. hunting. <laughs> yeah, I've been hunting uh, uh, with my dad from early on till until uh, even after college. We hunted a lot together. We haven't hunted much together recently, but um, just because of the separation, him being in Kentucky and me being out here in North Idaho, it's it's a little tougher to arrange those things. So 
yeah, that's, that's how I got into hunting. And, uh, and, uh, I guess to bring us into that next thing, I mean, yet the allure of elk hunting in Colorado, that's like an ultimate goal, right? That's when you're, when you're a hunter, that's one of those things somebody dreams about, I think. Yeah. <laughs> People that live here or even in Idaho, they probably have the totally different idea of that's just what they grew up doing. And when I taught high school, those kids, I got, I had students shooting monster bulls, monster bulls and things that I could only ever dream about even today. And here they are as a 16, 17 year old. Oh yeah. Look at this bull I shot. Hey, Mr. Whitley, check out this deer we had on our property. Are you kidding me? And here I am as a, as a 30 some year old dreaming of that and seeing that, yeah, I moved to a pretty cool, cool place and whatnot. But another thing you said made me think about, uh, every time you talk to people about what they got or how they got into hunting or when they got into hunting, it's always, someone always has that two and a half, one year old, eight, whatever it was that first time that you had gone hunting with your dad or whoever it was. Mm -hmm. And now I think of that in a, a weird way as a, not a weird way, but think of that as a father now. And I, right. I already taken my son on a, on an elk hunt as a one-year-old and I took him on a, a turkey hunt last year and thinking, I hope someday he's as proud of that as you and I are right about that same exact thing because that's that's an important stat like a thing to you that yeah dad took me when i was two and a half that was that's important right, so absolutely I hope, yeah I hope, that, hope that's important to him someday that that and he recognizes that i knew that was important for him to be along mm -hmm. even as a baby and we hiked around the woods for 30 minutes and started raining and realized the turkey woods and a baby and a baby carrier with diaper and raining and all that maybe just isn't <laughs> gonna, gonna last too terrible long so right. yeah uh, but still i don't care it, i i took him shed hunting the other day and we hiked around some beautiful country because it's all green this time of year and we will walk over the hill and he's like oh pretty pretty oh cool just seeing or going through some some thick brush and he just is on my back going stuck we're stuck <laughs> yeah it's uh it's obvious ty uh he, he's he's gonna be able to see god's wonder through through his creation and and uh that that's one thing i love being out out there is, is seeing like you say coming over the hill and seeing that that big draw that drainage and, and checking things out exploring and seeing seeing uh all the beauty that's out there uh, that's that's as much fun to me as or i shouldn't say as much almost as much fun as hearing that bugle, bull bugle uh, and uh like you say I, having a little boy i will have to talk off air about this too but I mean, I have a little girl and she's pretty soft hearted. I mean, I, I stepped on a bug the other day and she got mad at me. So <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's going to be really thinking hard about how to introduce her to hunting in a way that 
she respects what we're doing and she understands what we're doing and, um, and, uh, I can keep her quiet. We don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to sing songs the whole time like we do at home. So we'll, uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Some of the, some of the difference there is Ty and I found a little chorus frog in the backyard and we were looking at it and I was trying to show him and he's giggling and laughing. And once he put it down, he tried stepping on it, stomping on it. I was like, no, no. Yeah. Charlotte says, Charlotte says, Oh, just let them live their life. <laughs> it's just a bug. Just let them live their life. So yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to, yeah. have to find some ways to introduce Charlotte into hunting that, that uh, works for her so yeah so kind of on some of what what you're diving into what what is hunting to you and what does it do for you as a person well i mean for me it's uh Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think, I think it's two or three things, really. I mean, number one, it's, I think it's, it's easy to get caught up in it. I, I personally find it a little overwhelming, all the work and stress and, uh, politics and, um, um, just hustle and bustle of our lives. And there's, there's something super refreshing about getting up at 4.30 and watching that sunrise come up over that that next ridge and uh hearing a turkey gobble or a, a, a bull bugle or or seeing a a doe and a fawn come moving through a through a little green spot or um going back to the midwest i mean like jumping that first rabbit or um there's something really i guess centering about that just being out there and and being quiet and being focused on one thing i think uh the other thing hunting is to me is, I mean, growing up, hunting was always with my father and his brothers, my grandpa, and, and uh, many of the hunting memories I have are not only about the pursuit of game or the um, actual actual going hunting, but, I mean, half the hunting stories I have are about uh, the getting ready to go hunting, the um, the dinners afterwards, the uh, when we were pheasant hunting in South Dakota, how we town was too far and we, we had to make uh, bologna sandwiches for lunch every day for a week. And I just remember as a eight year old kid being so bummed because I was so tired of bologna sandwiches. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, and, yeah. And I, and I, I know what's in your lunch pail every single day now. What's in your, I still ham sandwiches. Well, so I've been off work for like eight weeks because of this coronavirus craziness. So I haven't had a ham sandwich in like two months. So I'm going to be excited to go back to work, get back <laughs> in my routine of a ham and cheese sandwich every day. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's just those little things you remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember you talking about eating a ham sandwich every single day at work. But 
as a kid, yeah. Guys, the guys at work tease me. They say, why do you bring a jail sandwich to work every day? Like, don't you have, like, you have the ability to have better food, don't you? And I'm like, I like this sandwich. This is, a, it's a good sandwich. <laughs> so I eat one every day. And they, yeah, they like to tease me about that. But yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. So like I said, going hunting, I mean, uh, being out there, spending time with friends and family and, uh, those memories that not only of, of the pursuit, but all around it are, are huge for me. I think, uh, the other thing is I, I am kind of a gadget guy and I love the idea of thinking about hunting and researching that next, uh, uh, rifle or that, that next really cool backpack or that lighter weight gear that's going to help me get up that ridge and so all that stuff is is fun for me so i'm gonna throw a quick plug in here okay. i just got an email to, today that from xo mountain gear they're yeah. gonna they're gonna g- give us a pack to give away very cool so, yeah uh i'll uh probably in the next week week and a half i'll put that episode out and then in the link you guys well, the listeners and you and who anyone else can all get registered for that pack, which would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Because I know those packs are like 600 bucks. I have one. It's right. The best. Yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, so you're, uh, another thing you said I, I totally resonated with was the, uh, Obviously, as hunters, we have very similar connections, and that's why we're doing that. But one thing I need to do to improve with some of that is just slow down. Like, I I struggle with just slowing down because I get in, the, get in the woods, and I feel like I'm in a hurry. Always feel like I'm in a hurry, and that might be because I'm hunting half hour, an hour from home, and I know my wife maybe would rather have me home or whatever it is, but the... uh I did went and did a shed hunt slash turkey hunt the other day. Brought my spotting scope, which was interesting. And I thought I'm gonna just sit my butt down and just take a look. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I sit down, and just getting myself to do that was so much more rewarding than my normal just trucking through the woods, getting to where I'm trying to go. And I sat and looked at the hillside and was looking for antlers, looking and looking, and heard a turkey gobble. And chasing after that turkey was a lot more fun just because I slowed down. Right. And it's just something something about that that I need to get better at because I enjoy things so much more. And I think that has to do a little bit of my expectations also. Just going in with a, I'm going to just go have some fun, hang around in the woods and and not be so worried about filling a tag because that's going to come and I can get serious about the hunting when, when a turkey gobbles or an elk bugles, I'm going to get serious about it. And that's part of the fun is getting, getting ready and, and being strategic about it. Not just walking in on them saying, Oh, there's the elk. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Slowing down in, in between there, I think is, is really what can lower some of that anxiety and just have a, enjoy it. But when yeah. you were, you were, Go ahead. I was, I was going to add just a couple things that um, I have. It, I guess I'm not an expert shed hunter by any means, but 
to encourage you on your spotting scope. I found several deadheads and stuff out elk hunting, looking through my, sitting on a ridge, looking through the binoculars and that kind of stuff. Thinking, oh my gosh, there he is right there. And then you start studying and it's like, oh, it's not moving. <laughs> but you find a cool, a cool set of antlers to haul out anyway. And, uh, did you, it, did you haul them out? Well, yeah, they're in my garage. Oh, um, good. <laughs> the other thing, uh, I guess to go back to your to your going back and relaxing and enjoying it all together too is, I mean the elk camp that I attended this past fall, there was four older guys that didn't even buy tags or bring rifles. They so much enjoyed um, the being in camp, the fellowship, the um, helping other guys haul out meat, the um, uh, cooking and, and just being in camp for 10 days that they're, they're not able to run up and down the ridges anymore, but just that all the things that come with elk camp, uh, they're not ready to give up on yet. So, um, I know we're not there yet, really, but we will be soon. We'll be, uh, Oh gosh. Yeah. I don't want to be anywhere <laughs> near that where I can't. I can't walk up and down. That that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> um, maybe and maybe that's an opportunity for some of those non-residents on a budget. Say you got a twenty-year-old kid or something, and you want to go do a father-son hunt. Maybe you only buy one tag, and you focus on them mm-hmm. getting that, and and you're there for half the price, and you share the meat. Not everyone has to buy a tag because. You see those non-residents walking into Walmart to buy their tags and they got their two kids and two buddies and they just drop over two grand on tags. That's a, right. that's a hard pill to, hard pill to swallow uh, financially. Right. Absolutely. There's still so much you could come and enjoy and, and do it on the hunt. And maybe you're not the one that pulls the trigger, but only a jerk of a friend or a, or a son or somebody wouldn't share some meat with you after you help pack it out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's an I, that, that would be the last time I packed out for somebody. If they didn't, if they didn't throw me a, a little bit, you know, uh, or, or a case okay. of beer or something. Yeah. I would say too bad. So sad next time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. But what were some of your expectations? Let's go back to you in the Midwest and think about what was your expectations of hunting in Colorado, the most well-known state in the world for elk. Like we have the most elk, super well-known. You could just show up. What what kind of expectations did you have? So, so yeah, to, to guess to give it some preference, right? I was a relatively successful hunter in the Midwest. We, my father owned 250 acres of private land, which hunting in the Midwest is majority, majority is all private. Um, there is some public opportunities, but it's, it's pretty limited until you get, um, probably, I mean, there are some areas, national forests and stuff, but not, it's not a normal thing. I mean, typically people have private property. So, we had a lot of opportunities and uh, had shot some pretty nice white tail and, and really kind of had them figured out. We had 17 deer stands hung up on our property so we could play the winds. And when, 
which way we could slip in and these kind of things. So I felt like a pretty accomplished hunter in that I understood how, uh, what I perceived as big game, um, how they operated, how they moved and that kind of thing. And, uh, I think some of the biggest differences. So I guess, so I, when I was thinking about hunting in Colorado, I, I had a, relatively high expectation that I could be successful, that I was a young guy, I was a hard hunter, that I was willing to get back in there, bust hard, um, uh, be there early, all these kinds of things. I I thought, well, the reason those guys aren't successful is because they're road hunting and uh, they're not they're not getting back in there far and things like that. And I, I can do it. And uh to a certain extent some of that is true, but a lot of it, it's totally different. I mean, I felt like, uh, uh, it was a brand new experience and, uh, a huge learning curve. I, I remember the first opening weekend I went out archery hunting. I was walking down this really cool ridge and I was bugling a little bit and this, uh, bugled a bull in. And he, it was a little raghorn. And he kept running right to me. I thought, man, this isn't that hard. What are these guys fussing about? And that was the only elk I saw all season. <laughs> so, um, and that might have been the only elk I had within a hundred yards of me the whole time I lived in Colorado. So, uh, was it? I I can't remember that that one. Did he? He, he didn't quite present a shot, did he? It was just kind of. Oh, I totally botched it. I totally botched it. I I had been walking uh, all day. I had miles and miles on my on my boots that day and I had strapped my bow to my backpack wasn't expecting much to happen and uh yeah I've eagled down in this little uh little drainage and he just he came rip roaring right up in there I mean it was if he came within 70 yards and he stood there and looked at me and I when I tried to take my bow off my back he was he, he figured out what was going on he was gone so I got yeah. I got caught rake raking a bush last year because I saw the bull and yeah. even in wide open wide open country this ginormous animal snuck around and came to my side and I stay in there with my pants down basically holding a stick brushing something I look over and he blows out of there a three hundred plus inch bull that that one hurt that one hurt real bad yeah. <laughs> That's what I should have just called and shut up and just stood there with my arrow knocked. But it's just so crazy like that. You never know when they're coming in, even if that's through tons of people. But that's that that was always something I heard growing up. Get off the roads or when I first got here, get off the road, get off the trail, whatever. I mean, yeah, you can do that, but this state is got like some of the most healthy people in the nation. There's people that have no problem getting off the roads and, I, and even in some of that back country stuff there's people there one of my sweet little honey holes there's right. a there's been a, a jeep park there with a whatever crossfit sticker on the side and I'm like oh uh -huh. yeah that guy's i'm not i'm competing with him because he has no problem getting in there some guy that's in shape he'll get in there just as far if not further there's a guy that hunts it. He wasn't here this past fall, but they told a lot of stories about him. There's a guy up here in North Idaho that a lot of times he attends the camp that I went to this, this past fall. And, and he's one of those ultra marathoners, the guys that run the hundred miles and stuff. And they said 
this yeah. guy, he, he gets his elk like every year because he just, he carries nothing with him and he has a real lightweight rifle. And he said, they swear up and down that he just runs them down. <laughs> but, but, runs they, until they're, they're probably run further than a bull. <laughs> I, I don't know. They said, they said, I don't know how he does it, but he could, he, this guy's like an ultra awesome shape. And like you say, uh, he, he does get off the road. He gets way back in there and, and like almost like jogs till he finds an elk. And, uh, I mean, I'm six foot four, 260 pounds. I, I don't do those kinds of things. I'm more of a steady, quiet walker. So, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And, and I, you do see guys that, you'll see him driving all the forest roads and that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, that's the reason you don't get an elk is because you never get out of the truck or you never get off your ATV. But that's not always the case. I mean, some of the times those guys are successful. So, um, yeah, uh, Yeah, totally. It's it's hard to say, right? Yeah. And one of the complaints that, a lot of hunters have for Colorado is just how crowded it is and that there's hunters everywhere. Well, I was having a conversation with a, with another buddy the other day that there's still all kinds of pockets everywhere. And even, even amongst the people I've, I've seen bulls just in spots you wouldn't even think of that the elk are still there. They just might've shut up because there's a hunter on every ridge. But right. but there's still even on that public land there's still these pockets of just insane numbers of bulls and big bulls and good bulls and uh, they're there they're just take a lifetime to find them <laughs> and yeah if you show up show up one weekend out of a year it makes it a little tough and I've been here eight years now and I'm going into this next season pretty confident pretty confident too confident probably <laughs> but i'm excited about it that's what makes it really exciting is learning learning a piece of ground and going back and trying to find see how those bulls are going to interact in a different way right year. what uh kind of was your perception of the public land piece coming in from primarily private what what kind of I was... what was that like I mean, with my my uh, adventurum, adventurous spirit, I guess I was super excited. I'm like, I was looking at the map, going, "I can hunt all of this. This is amazing, right? I can like go anywhere I want. I can just, I mean, throw my bow on my back and my my tent, my pack, and when I get tired, I'll stop and all these kinds of things. And um, and to a certain extent, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, life is one of those things too, where uh, you take Friday off and you hunt, you hike out there Thursday night and you hunt Friday, Saturday, and now you have to get back to the truck on Sunday because you got work again on Monday, or or the wife needs you to do your 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 chores at home and all these things like that. It's um, so you are limited. I mean, yeah, you see, I was excited about all the opportunities to get out there and go do those kinds of things. And, uh, um, I mean, coming from the Midwest where the property line's right here, you need to stay like, can we even put a tree stand that close to the property line? Is that, 
courteous to our neighbors and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, uh, big difference. I, I saw it as like kind of freedom, like America, this is awesome. Let's, let's go do it. Yeah. And you know, what's funny when I first moved here, I saw all the same yellow and green on the map and thought, Oh man, I, it's all this, but then I couldn't figure out how to get on it. <laughs> I had no idea how to access it. Like, how do you get there? Where do you go? There's, and even now I know how to access all that using the right maps and everything. You figure out a map that you like or, uh, using on X, that was a game changer. But, uh, the, uh, this episode is supported by FX's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owners, racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Still, there's so much. You look at it and you're like, there's so many different places I want to go so that you want to check out that you you just don't have the miles in your legs to be able to do it. <laughs> Same thing with, uh, I told that to my wife last weekend when we were shed hunting and said that shed hunting is kind of a, you got to be strategic with where you start hiking because right. you hike, hike five miles to get to a spot. Well, you just wasted five miles of your legs that you, you needed to hike the good country. So being efficient and trying to figure out how to, how to cover more ground is, or like you said, get comfortable with your glass. Cause that's, that's what I'm working on. I, re- I really want to be better at glass and stuff up and putting less miles in not because I can't, but because it's probably a better method of pulling out your glass and sitting and looking things over and finding those little pockets of elk sheds. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I've never been an expert, uh, shed hunter but the, the way i've always when i've been successful it's always been on places where with like whitetails where pinch points same place you can find them um you would expect them to come through while you're hunting and you look for a fence or you look for a, a bunch of brush where things where or there's something they have to jump over things of that nature where you find where they they might be more likely to be in a place like that so uh we always tried to spend our time thinking about where where they might be before we went out on the out on the farm. Yeah, and there we uh, didn't do a ton of hunting together. I think we might have done a duck hunt or two, maybe. Um, yeah, but we we did uh, went out together once. Finally, archery hunting. Let's tell that story. I like it. Okay. Um, I, it's been a minute. I can't remember. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember. We were, we were back behind, uh, the ski hill. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, like, we, uh, we don't need to say the place. We don't well, want to yeah, we bust up in there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So we, we snuck back up in there and, uh, we, we were hunting and I, I remember it being kind of a quiet morning. 
and the one thing that's that's not evident through audio is I mean I, I revealed that I'm six foot four and two fifty, but Clint is like six foot ten or something, and he's like two hundred pounds. And this guy he just scrambles up mountains. It's not it's not really fair. Like he can just climb them like an elk. And I <laughs> so I'm struggling to keep up. I'm like I'm like at 95% capacity trying to keep up with elk or with Clint going at 60% capacity. So, so that was, I do, I I do remember, uh, a bit of your, your, uh, gear junkiness. Yeah. A little bit of a hindrance there because I remember looking at your pack and like, what do you all got in there? (laughs) You had, had, uh, You had everything. You were ready to live in the mountains. You could have survived and called me unprepared. I probably was. I know I, I know I didn't have an emergency shelter. I didn't have ways of making signal. I didn't have maybe any more than a lighter and a Band-Aid. But right. I, well, uh, yeah, the, that's another podcast. And I'm, I'm in, I, obviously, maybe I, I could be the, uh, the guy that goes through my pack and you could tell me what I could take out because – yeah, no, <laughs> no doubt about it. I I always overpack. I I tend to get a little anxious about. Oh, I'm going to be ten miles from my truck, and and uh, so I need all these things. So yeah, I, I I'm carrying like a fifty pound pack, trying to keep up with Clint going up this hill. And I don't remember it being like right at daylight being super exciting. We were moving through some really nice country. The the Quakies were all looking looking beautiful and enjoying that time and. I remember we decided we were mo- we were going to move down this fence line, and did we bugle? Is that how, or do, or did he bugle at us? And we we tried to call him. Well, yeah, we we did a little bit of calling, but not crazy. First, I remember we walked down a big scree field or rock, uh, rock field, and checked out my little little ponds that were always kind of my hot spot. I've only ever seen pictures there of elk i've never actually seen an elk in person on those ponds but i i just go back to them every time and so we went in quite a ways further and then yeah on our way back as in we were ways in there walking down a fence line we're like what the heck let's just try it see what happens and i remember ripping off a bugle with uh i'm ashamed to say but it's old old primos terminator primos whatever with the little blue latex thing on top and which i've moved way past and i realized diaphragms and a bugle tube are way better sounding and blew into that that primos call and we had a response we had we were totally shocked i remember hearing that bugle and realizing now that thing probably wasn't that far away and knowing how sound carries and doesn't actually carry too much sometimes that I think that bull was not that far away. We, uh, what do we do next? I, I think if I remember right, and like I said, this has been a few years ago, but I remember what maybe we tried to stagger up. One guy went a little farther and the other guy held back and we tried to create a little bit of distance because sometimes those elk like to hang out there a hundred, hundred, 150 yards with us and, 
which especially with the archery equipment, it makes a lot of sense to drop a guy back. And uh, so I think we were trying to do that. We called a little bit and uh, tried to move in a little closer. And uh, that that's how I remember and, that, remember going next. And anyway. it, yeah, and then we were just done. We just were kind of like, oh. oh well, he didn't come in. Right. And realizing now that bull just communicated with us, hey, here I am. Right. And I'm going to stick right here because it was probably the middle of the day. I remember it being like. Yeah. I remember it being like nine. Like, oh, okay. I was thinking it was like late morning, but you probably right. Yeah. So at a time that that bull probably found a spot, he probably, if he had cows, cows were probably bedded around him somewhere. And there was no way was he going to come 100, 200 yards to to leave his cows. Mm-hmm. But he let us know where we were at. And I bet he just hung out right there. If we would have closed the distance further, we may have kind of gotten in a little close. And he might have not have bugled again, but he maybe could have come in silent. But mm-hmm. that was that's what I've learned since then is just some of those and had more of those bull interactions that teach you so much <laughs> Every right, single right. interaction. And that's what neither of us had. You had that one. Uh, and I barely had any, I don't think I had anything in range ever. I don't think I'd shot it right. yet. So that, it's just our ig- ignorance there. We were, we were any, talking on the phone the other day and, and we were talking about the learning curve, uh, of elk hunting and how it's i think an elk hunting education is is a lot harder to get than a whitetail education because man you spook you're sitting in your tree stand and you you get excited you you spook uh a deer off your off your spot you know hang tight sit there a while another one might come by you know or that gummit let's let's try again tomorrow and uh you may see that same deer uh, whereas elk uh, you might have to hunt days or uh, it might be next season before you get another opportunity like that so it's i i feel like repeating things is the best way to learn and uh when your opportunities come so few and far between it can be it can be a harder education and harder to gather those that that knowledge of oh this is what we need to do next uh, versus uh, whitetail hunting or upland game hunting or let's just jump in the truck and hit this next field and we'll do it a little bit different we'll we'll put blockers at the end for pheasant hunting or whatever so oh yeah think about think pheasant hunting or duck hunting like duck hunting I think about that a lot where you're you're set up and you start calling. And then you realize, oh, my mojo's throwing the, or they're 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 not liking the mojo. She shut the mojo off. Then maybe the next come in, mm-hmm. or you call and realize, oh, we're calling too much at them because of how they right. reacted. If you had that many interactions with bulls or elk, you'd be you'd be a crazy good hunter <laughs> if you could have well, multiple yeah. interactions every day, like you do duck or pheasant hunting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, I feel like the, the three years I hunted in Colorado, I hunted pretty hard 
Um, and I, I can say that I had two or three real opportunities and I never even drew on one or, or scoped one up, you know, um, but the potential was there compared to, like you say, compared to, uh, whitetail hunting or, or duck hunting or, um, I'm, I'm, I keep going back to pheasant hunting back in South Dakota. I mean, oh, the, all the birds, they just ran out the end. And so we'll, this next spot hole, uh, on down the road, we'll, we'll try it a little bit different. We'll, we'll run the dog a little closer to us, things like that. Um, there's opportunities to fix those mistakes immediately and learn and figure out what's going on. And, and, uh, so that's a challenge, I think, about hunting out west. That's, that was a misconception for me that opportunities aren't, aren't as prevalent as they were, um, in my hunting experience in the past. So bottom line, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <It's hard. laughs> yeah. Freaking hard. <laughs> and on, well, on, on multiple ways, right? Cause not only is it hard from a intellectual way, it, it can be hard, uh, physical. It can be, uh, hard financial if you're not a resident. Cause like we were talking earlier, I mean, Colorado's the most affordable state to hunt in for non-residents. I mean, like being up here in, in Idaho and I know what our non-resident tags are and Montana's are, are really high as well. I mean, Colorado's still the most affordable place to, to hunt elk for a non-resident, but uh, yeah. So I mean, easy, right. It's easy so, to get a tag. Right. So a guy from, uh, Illinois or, or Missouri or whatever, he wants to load up and drive and get a tag and, and spend the 500 bucks and he's taking 10 days off of work. I mean, it's, it's financially hard sometimes too. So, uh, there's a lot of things about elk hunting that are, that are challenging. And, uh, I think that the good thing about that is the reward is so huge. I mean, not only does the meat taste amazing, not only are the memories, uh, awesome. Uh, not only is the time spent in the woods with your, your buddies or your family or, or whatever is, is also pretty cool. Um, but yeah, to overcome that challenge, that's, that's a huge deal. I mean, if a guy gets an elk, uh, he obviously either got really lucky or, uh, he's a good hunter. So in and my opinion, our, look at our, uh, buddy Aaron this year. I mean, he has, I think two little raghorn bulls under his belt in the 10 years I bet he's lived here mm-hmm. and last year. He said he hunted like 15 minutes. Yeah. Opening, yeah. opening day, stuck a bull, and then he had a, a deer tag. He went out and hunted another hour and then a, got a really nice buck. He got a really nice buck this year. And yeah. uh, and then did the same thing for a cow. He said he hunted like a half a day or something for three mm-hmm. seasons. And what? other seasons, he's out. It's just the way that goes. Sometimes it happens as Aaron, fast as Aaron like is years. A, yeah, Aaron is unusually lucky. It does seem like, but the, the, to give him credit, he does hunt hard. And the other thing to keep in mind yeah. is his father-in-law has been hunting Colorado for like thirty years. I mean, he's able to share 
tips and tricks and, and, uh, things of that nature that you and I won't know until we're, we're his age. So, uh, right. These are, <laughs> these are some things that, uh, give him an upper hand over just your average guy saying, man, I got a cool job opportunity in Colorado. It would be awesome to move there or, or let's go hunt public land. It's non-residents. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you've got a buddy that lives in Colorado and has been hunting there for a few years and knows what's going on, that gives you a huge, uh, leg up in my opinion. So, um, yeah, these are some things to think about. Aaron and I, Aaron and I actually should be uh, should be going on an antelope hunt again this year. Remember we did that with our bows one year, and ever since then we've been putting in for preference. And now this year, it, it should be it's almost a guarantee we're going to draw the unit what we're planning on. But we're uh, should be drawing and going to do an antelope hunt rifle, not a not an archery tag. So but that's okay. I, yeah. Yeah, antelope hunting is uh, it's just a fun hunt. I love hunting antelope, and I think it tastes yeah. pretty good too. I like it's one of the best tasting meats. I a lot of people when I after I shot, they're like, "Oh, you're really gonna eat it?" And I thought it was amazing. So, uh, yeah. after growing up on whitetail, I thought antelope was really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's another one of those hunts where, I mean, if, if you could pick the weather. You could make it easy, but it, but because we can't pick the weather, it could be really hard, even with a rifle. So, uh, right. <laughs> I, right. I remember my antelope, my antelope hunt. We showed up and they had had a drought. It, there wasn't a stitch of rain for like six weeks. So you just had to sit by a water hole and they were going to come or they were going to die of, of, uh, thirst. So, so. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't hard to make contact with, with an antelope. And you had talk about opportunities. I mean, like, like you look through your glasses and you could see 30 antelope heading your way. I mean, you just had to wait for the right one. And if you messed up, the other ones were going to come and try to get a drink too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I had really the last time I spent a lot of time hunting besides that archery hunt uh was in south dakota and that was right after a really bad winter bad die-off we couldn't find them to save our lives and we're it's just i didn't know jack about antelope hunting i was just walking around in the prairie <laughs> so i, I feel <laughs> a little more educated now and feel a little more confident so be a, in a unit that takes five points to draw too it should be should be plenty of goats and be a good fun hunt but yeah. well, Derek, Derek, we're uh, going on 50 minutes here, so I'll let you uh, get back to your day, your Tuesday afternoon now. And I appreciate you come on and chatting. I like storytelling and talking with you. You're always good for a few good laughs and and motivation and and uh, yeah, absolutely. And I hope I hope uh, I hope I haven't discouraged anyone uh, from hunting public land. It- um, and if I did, I'm sorry. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I still hunt public land and, uh, having that perspective and refocusing on all the things that are, that come along with that is, is helped me not get bummed out and give up. I mean, enjoying that time at elk camp and all that kind of stuff is, is so huge. So, 
Yeah, that's an important thing to know. The expectations. We don't just have 300 inch bulls around every corner. <laughs> that's not <laughs> not necessarily the expectation you're going to find and just go pick out the one you want. Even in trophy right. units, that's not always the case. Absolutely. But, all right. Well, thank you, sir. And we'll yeah. talk to you another time. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. Right outside of this one church town, there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God.